0: Hello, hello and welcome to Putting It Together, it's Wednesday the 18th of April and today I'm bringing you the live show, it's episode number 25 with Johnny McKnight and Anita Vitesi and it was exciting to be there, it was a fantastic event and I've got to say big thanks to to Dave Shea and also to his compadre Joe Connell, Um, the two guys that did the tech at the, the event at the Tron and the Changing House were just fantastic, helped me all day helped make it as special as it was so thanks to all you who came along i'm not going to go on today because there's a whole intro in the live recording which i'm about to give to you right now so here we are it's me it's johnny mcknight it's anita vitessi and it's tom Yuri on the voiceover and we are putting it together
1: ladies and gentlemen it's time for putting it together please welcome your host Brian O'Sullivan. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for being here. There you go. Uh, so, th- this, as you can probably understand, you can see it's, it's a podcast, it's an audio podcast, but it is visual for today. So, it's, it's like Parky, um, but it's not on telly. So, actually, now it's very like Parky. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Put, if you don't count access on life insurance adverts, it's exactly like Parky. So um, I've asked them to make it exactly like my home studio. This is this is totally what it looks like. <laughs> the ironing board and the washing are going to be brought in later. Um, so I've had, would you believe it, I've had good luck messages coming in from all over the world. Yeah! I've had one card, um, but there was loads <laughs> written on it. And also um, a family friend sent me a good luck gift. Now, she must have heard the podcast. Did you hear episode one with Blythe Duff? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the other day, our family friend Margaret handed me this. She palmed me this (laughs) tiny piece of paper. And it's cut out from the TV guide. And she said, there's your pal, Blythe Duff, circa 2000. So she thinks, because I'm friends with Blythe, I I must collect cuttings of her. (laughs) So that's that's handy to have. So, highlights of the show so far, for those of you who haven't (laughs) been following it. Two entire episodes have been deleted because of my negligence or the failures of my computer. Uh, Tom, who's in the audience, Tom Urey. (laughs) Kindly agreed to do a complete retake of his episode and made it sound completely natural. Isn't that good? Uh, I left Stephen Greenhorn, creator of River City and Passing Places, standing at Scottsdale Hill train station because I slept in. Totally, it's a professional outfit we're running. Um, numerous episodes have been interrupted by Millie's scratching, barking, <laughs> biting. Millie's the wife. Um, yeah. And the majority of guests, this is the interesting part, have texted me the day after the interview to say, I don't think you should put it out. I think I said all the wrong stuff. I'm really boring. It's terrible. You need to cut this bit. And invariably what happens is, that's not true. I reassure them, and it turns out to be brilliant. I think you, I'm sure you would agree. Yeah. And of course, I'm talking not about myself, but about the guests. It's, it's been amazing what's come out of these interviews. I've, I've loved doing them. So, this is episode number 25! Yeah! And to celebrate it, we decided to go live. And I've got the creators of Bingo the Musical, which is here at the Tron until tonight, and then next week at Inverness. And I'm going to interview them together and individually. And we're going to start with the one and only, the ever effervescent Johnny McKnight! Yeah!
2: Good to go. Good to go, good to go.
0: <laughs> that couch is surprisingly low. It's really low. Get yourself high. sorted. a bit like, oh, that's neat.
2: Get yourself comfortable. We can I'm cut good. all this. we we'll cut good. all this. This is quality stuff. Right? This cut it. Mic, you get the
0: mic nice and close to your oh, face. Good, okay, And I've got, you've got your wee drink there. Do you want a biscuit?
2: No, thanks. See, I've got into all the trouble. I'm on the intermittent fasting diet, if MD's interested. I've but heard about this. Mm. <laughs> How much fasting are we talking? Uh, you don't eat for 16 hours out of the day, and you can eat anything you want for eight. So... <laughs> So, those eight know, hours that's must strictly be strictly just... the rules, but that's how I'm playing it anyway. Yeah. So, it's like a feeding frenzy between mm. 12 and 8. Ah, you basically eat like fuck for eight hours and then yeah. you just yeah. sit for 16 hours regretting everything you've eaten, basically. You Thinking about what you're going to eat the next day. Aye. I remember I wrote a joke
0: in a panto once I do the 5 2 diet. At 5 2 the hour, I have a bag of chips.
2: That's my life you're talking about going to say that's my life? Like, oh. <laughs> no. The King of Panto, is this
0: a true title?
2: Uh, no, I wouldn't say so at all. I think uh, there's been. You know your kings are your Stan, like your Stanley Baxters and yeah. your Ricky Fultons and um, all the folk that you stone on the shoulders. It's really flattering that folks say it. I would rather be the queen if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, if I had to pick a title, um, it's really flattering, but it's like any and folk put like the title on you, and then all you do is lie in your bed with anxiety, trying to work out if that's what you are and how'd you live up to it, and then you don't want to write ever again, so you can't really. Wondering if you should have
0: eaten those chicken nuggets. Exactly.
2: aye. <laughs> and then putting yourself in a fat suit every Christmas in the hope that you lose what you're eating all year round with anxiety. <laughs> um, welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> Might start a dieting podcast, actually. Um, <laughs> so I, I, it's, it's flattering that folk write that, but you know, that's some years. And then other years, there's been like reviews saying it ter- looks terribly uncomfortable on stage, doesn't oh. they know what they're doing. So you just, if you take the good, you need to take the bad way, don't that's you? That's it. If you
0: believe one, you've got to believe one. Totally. The other. So, how many have you done?
2: I think I'm on 15. Not bad, not Mm. bad. 15, I think I'm 15. And do you read the reviews? Uh, You can't help yourself. You wish that you did, Um. And then when you do, you get, you know, there's never a good, I think, it's that relationship you have with reviews. You read them because you're kind of hoping that to make sense of your life, why you decided to be a gypsy. And then... <laughs> no, there's anything wrong with that. No, there's anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? But then you read them and you start getting yourself a bit anxious or over-reading into stuff and then going, oh, I should have done that or they've no they've misunderstood that. Yeah. Or, and oh, I, So I, I, I'm getting better at no reading them. That's... uh, Practice, isn't it? Because I've just realised there's nothing really to be gained because actually, who do you make it for? Like, who do you make your shows for? And I'm really clear that you make it for the audience. So if you're rev- if you're reading reviews is the only way you can judge what you're doing you're all you're doing is doing a disservice to the work that you're meant to be making like Pantos meant for full families and until there's a day where there's a full family be sterling that writes a review then you know what i mean that's yeah. in-, in some yeah. way that's yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not a flag of reviewers but it's just, you just i think you just need to be dead mindful of the, like who the show is for and i'm always to the mind that folk have paid for their tickets so they should be allowed you know what i mean listen to them they're they the boss. Got for it, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you ever have you ever been in a show with someone who's changed their performance because of the review?
2: I have. At me, I've done it. <laughs> Taking like, notes from Joyce. I, I think everybody's done it, <gasps> or not changed, no change the performance, but did that thing where you're starting in stage and going, "I wonder if this is the bit where they think I'm an idiot." Ned. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. my favourite. I wonder if this is the bit that's crash bang wallop. It's the sound of artistic failure. Um, <laughs> Tell me, that's a quote. That is a quote. That's oh, amazing. that is an absolute quote. Um, so it's that thing of that. So you go. That's not helpful, but I can still tell you that quote fourteen years later. Yeah. So can you remember the good ones fourteen years? Mm, not later? at all. No. Not no. nothing. Um. So there's there's something to be said about you know you need to reviews are, are written for I think a general public yeah. rather than necessarily the folk making the work. I think there's something to be learnt for them, but you should probably do it after the show is done, because there's nothing. What and also I've been in a show where somebody's had an amazing review. Maybe even myself, I think I've done this too. And you've had a really good review on your own stage and you're a bit like, this bit's the really funny as fuck, but I've got this. And then nothing happens, nothing you did, kill that yeah. bit. Did you're like, all oh, right, I get cocky, the audience can smell it after me now, so
0: it's, indeed- it's amazing that bit that gets the bang laugh every single night and then that one night you think about it,
2: nothing. Totally, yeah, indeed, It can happen. Die a death. You came from our Ardrossan. Yes, I did. Tell us about Ardrossan. It's actually pronounced the drossin, if you're fair. What's like you? Like a novel? Yeah. Do you read novels in Ardrossan? Novels in Ardrossan with care um, <laughs> Not a Cape. Um, I did. I'm fair I'm Ardrossan, aye. What's it like? Um... I suppose it's like a lot of west coast towns, particularly when I was growing up, it used to be like a shipping town. Mm-hmm. So but all the shipping industry died and stuff. So there wasn't much happening in it during the eight like the eighties and nineties. It was sort but is it's sort of regenerated and all that now it's it's got an asda. You know what I mean? We didn't have an Asda. In, like, that is grew- the
0: mark of success. We
2: didn't have an Asda. There was no nightclubs. You had to go to the next toon for to go to a nightclub. To go to a pub that was like folk your age. You Salkitz. had to go to the next toon. Salkits, aye. To the nightclub in Salkits, really? hmm aye. That wow. was the nearest nightclub. For. I mean, it's not that long a journey. It's 20 minutes. Um, But uh, there was not much. <laughs> there was not much. There was a lot of funeral directors, hairdressers and co-ops. Right, right. Pretty much. Co-ops. Like, there a couple of co-ops. Aye. But in a, in a way, it was a great place to grow up because everybody knew everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I got jumped twice when I was growing up, but I got jumped before I <laughs> <That's laughs> you knew. a community so like, Oh, I got I get jumped by his big brother last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it was, I suppose it's kind of weird, but um, but it was, a really, it was a really good place to grow up for that. Like you did know everybody and it, it was, I mean, I thought it was like a population, maybe about 13,000, but mm-hmm. you kind of, and it's weird, because even now as an adult, like, if I write stuff and all that, it's always written in a even if it's set in Glasgow, the voices are still the folk I grew up with. Because I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of writers are like that. They think where you probably form who you are as a person is sort of, that location, I think, still stays in your heart a bit when you're writing. So even though I, I live in Glasgow and I absolutely, you know, I, would, I, would, I can't imagine no living here ever again. I think I still have a dressing. Like, it's in your bones. It's in your DNA. I think so when well, you come from.
0: I write from bear's den. I know mm. what you mean. Mm. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> no, I was born in. Dr. I'm Dabble, no judging actually, you. No, like, <laughs> uh,
0: I was going to say to you about Were you one of these people that wanted to get out?
2: Absolutely. Right, aye, okay. aye. I always so you get the soonest opportunity. You're out. Um, no, the soonest because I, I I was there till I was. Um, I didn't move to Glasgow till I was 24. Mm-hmm. So it was not so, but I always sort of, you know, like every wee, probably wee gay boy growing up, I always thought Madonna was going to reveal herself to be my mother that she'd left in a, you know, on the doorstep of the co-op and she'd take me away to America and things like, I always dreamed of being somewhere that was near. but I think every kid dreams about living somewhere that's no their own, their own life, do you know what I mean, when they're wee, I think oh, yeah, you dream yeah. of what that big fantasy life is on the telly and you hope you're going to end up in Beverly Hills 90210's life or something, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean, so, so you went there. for Glasgow? <laughs> I went for Glasgow. That was my equivalent. <laughs> ah,
0: it's a step in the right direction. It's been a good turn for me. So you, but you did the same course that I did. Mm-hmm. Aye, we and did CTP. I get, I got onto that course and, and quickly realised that I'd, it wasn't the right course, but right. I decided to stick with it and I'm glad I did. That's a weird thing to have happened. Uh-huh. How did you get into it? Because it seems like you
2: now and that course to me don't. Uh, th- uh, they kind of don't, but they, in, in a way they do, because I was the, I was the first year at what actually happened was I had, I get into law, I get into law at Strathclyde, so i you know, because you go to a careers advisor and they say you did that jig cow machine thing and they go, oh, you wouldn't be good in the army, but maybe you could be a lawyer. And you go, all oh, right, that's what I'll try and be. and um, <laughs> So I, I, all my pals, I didn't even read any drama. It's a sport a really sporty tune, like mm. the three tunes addressing and that. So it's there's no drama or anything like that. So I'd never done anything to even consider it. And then in fifth year, I got really good marks on my exams and I had not any to do really for sixth year. I was just coasting along playing kids in the canteen really. And um, <laughs> so I thought I'll go and join a, a drama group, but the nearest drama group was in Glasgow. Oh, right. And I just thought, oh, I'll go and do this because I'm kind of bored and I don't know what else to do. And so I joined the youth theatre there and I totally loved it. But because I was probably the freshest to it, I felt like, you know, and it's all my really good pals still for the new, like Joe Freer and Michelle Gallagher, they were all my youth theatre. Um, but they were really confident to me because they'd done it and they'd been there for years and I, So they all started going to drama school, but I was already signed up to go to Strathclyde. Right. And then I got into my uh, first law lecture and I was steaming drunk for the night before. (laughs) like steaming drunk and it had been i think it was my papa's funeral right and you know what it's like like a scottish funeral and you just go and you hit the bevy and everybody was miraculous and so and a wasp was ch- there is a point to this story eventually i promise a wasp a wasp was chasing me right yeah. at, the, at the south beach train station and so i'm running for this wasp um because i'm terrified of them and i fell and all that Got in the train i'm steaming drunk and i'm about like oh god i've all like, t- oh, scabbed and blood oil over my arms and stuff but I was like all oh, right sorry I've got a nice backpack for my first day at law school <laughs> and, uh, and I get into the, the 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 lecture theater and I look down and I've got nannies and trousers, I've i have just blood everywhere I've scraped all my face and it was like this whole room of folk and I'm like oh my god I look like a pure JK hangout so anyway I get in and it's the only seat I could see is, like, in the middle of the law lecture. I get in and I sit down and folk could like, visibly turned away, like, visibly turned away from me. And it was 17-year-olds all having briefcases. Like, what the fuck's that? I put a briefcase <laughs> at 17. So anyway, you sit down and this wee, this wee guy starts out and he, the first thing he says is there's mere unemployed lawyers in Scotland and there are actors. <gasps> and I just knew. Like, I literally just went, oh, I should have. I am in the wrong place. And so, so then... I, I still did that first year because I was like maybe I'll change and I I wanted to be a lawyer because I'd watched Ali McBeal <laughs> like, I see that now that I, I like the idea of being in a courtroom and flouncing about and shouting you object and all that and fighting with folk and being paid money for it um, That's what you're doing now though Exactly <laughs> <laughs> Object to things and fight with people and you get paid total, yeah. Totally but it was weird but then so like the following year I auditioned for drama school and I had, I was so at my depth like so at my depth I did as my Shakespeare monologue I did Othello and Othello's death speech when he murders Desdemona, right? So I, that was the only Shakespeare monologue I could find. And, um, cause it was libraries and all that, I didn't, you know, there was, I don't even think it was dial up at that point. And um, <laughs> so go in, I do the monologue and all that. And I remember it was Jean Moore, was she there? When uh, you had, oh so yeah. It was, it was Jean Moore and she, uh, after I'd done the monologue, she's like, hmm, Othello, uh, do you think you would ever be cast as Othello? <laughs> and I was like, I'm a bit young for it, but I think in a few years of time. <laughs> And then they said to me, you do realise Othello's black? And I was like, ah, where does it say, I was like, where does it say that? And she went, he's a moor. And I went, oh, I thought that meant he worked the moors. (laughs) So I never got in that year. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then I applied again the second year and I never got in that year either. And so I was just working in Safeway quite the thing. I was quite enjoying myself. I was getting drunk all the time. I did a really good full-time job, worked with brilliant women. It was me in a coffee shop full of... I was at one point, I was a supervisor, me and 45 women. So I was in my element. I had a, we had a ball, we had great holidays and all that. It was brilliant. And it actually, loads of my writings based on all that time yeah, and, yeah, and all yeah. those folk and all those women. Um, And then I eventually applied and it was CTP. But I had no idea what CTP meant. I just thought, okay, oh, it's the same difference. It's to get a new name. It was Dramatic Studies before her and oh, I had been yeah. applying for. So I applied for CTP and I go in. But I loved it because you had to do the device, you had to do a device piece for your audition. So I did my device piece about why drama schools full of wankers, and I've paid a hundred and five pound in audition fees for three years, and if they don't let me in, they're all arseholes. <laughs> and that was my audition speech. And the heat of the course, Debbie, was screaming with laughter, like couldn't have. And I was in my head, I was going, This is a risk. This is, <laughs> this, a is risk. this is this is going to go one way or the other. It's going to really work, or it's going to go it's gonna work and I knew knew as soon as I did it I was like I'm in and I got a phone call that day you got a phone call? and it was like February it was a phone call or an I. I think it was a phone call I auditioned in the two no it must have been a letter it was the Saturday I found it so but it was really quick like but I kind of knew it so it was the right course for me because I couldn't have been an actor I can only play myself like I'd have went, I'd have went do trying to kiddo when I was like a farmer for the North County. Oh, do you know, know what I mean? Like, oh, like, <laughs> n- and so, and, and actually it it gave, I think, with something you said, one a post podcasts about hustling, mm-hmm. it does make you go, I'm going to give that a go. And right. so there's a party, because you've done a bit of writing, you've done a bit of directing, you've done a bit of performing. So I kind of left college a wee bit going, I'm going to give everything a shot, which is, so like you've come out, the, the the downside is is you've got that insecurity that everybody has in these business where you go I don't feel like I'm a real writer because I never went to th- and studied writing I don't feel like I'm a real actor because I never studied acting mm. I don't feel I'm a real director blah 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 but then you go mechanics don't need to go to mechanics school you know you just need to shut that wee critic in your voice through and go no you learn on the job that's mm-hmm. you go to drama school and you learn loads of new skills and then you go to the job and you go oh this is the real world I need to pick it up or yeah. You know what I mean, and so and loads of stuff. So, like, Panto was really accidental, like, it was uh, totally accidental. It's the usual story. Like, Panto was I, in the very first Christmas show I did, it was Andy Arnold and it was up at Lough Lomond. And but I had been in, in addition, for the uh, did the interview for the new director's award they used to do at the right. Arches. And uh, so I was in, I had my all my wee documents, and it was all lovely done and all that. And after it, after my interview, I thought I think I've done quite well here. And uh, at the end of the interview, Andy went, "Have you ever thought about being a dame?" <laughs> and I was about like, "Wait a minute, this hasn't went well for me this is... <laughs> And so I did that year up at Loch Lomond. I was one of the dames. It was uh, me, me and Joe. Freer up at Loch Lomond, and she talked about that on the show. I was, that was that was that was like my first Christmas show, and so mm-hmm. I had no idea. But because I'd done CTP. I didn't believe in a fourth wall. I believed in, you know the audience are there and you talk to the audience. I, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I don't care about a script, but in Panto, especially when it's my words, I'm like, fuck it, I'll do what I like. Like, it's about the audience having a good night. Ooh. And if they're responding to something and something's running away with itself, I'm like, you run away? That's like the joy of doing panto. Like, I have never done a panto and been bored. I've never counted the shows done. I've sang that Mariah Carey song about a thousand times. I think it's, I think this year will be my thousandth time of singing all of them. I love it every <laughs> single year because it's a genuine, like, thing about you in the audience like I can't really explain it but CTP I think if I'd done an acting course I wouldn't have had that same mm-hmm. and it's like accidents because then the next panel I did was Tony Roper and it uh, was directing it and he pulled me aside and he went I'll be back in a week and I don't want to see the same show I don't care what other actors on this stage think I don't care if they hate you you do what the audience want you to do and just go away it and I'll be back in a week and I want it changed so he and got this sense that so you had there were more me, together. Aye, and he was brutal like he taught me, I've, like he was literally. It was like a, like I was a sponge watching him, I. just going right. Can you show me what that is? Because I'm no somebody who minds if somebody gets up and I know you're what are the books say. Don't show a line reading. Don't get up and do it. But I'm like, show me what you want. Right, I can do that there. Right, mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I don't like intellectualizing stuff. I think yeah. it kills it. deed. I like keep it practical? Keep it moving on. Um, and then writing panel was I did a panel at McBob and it was. Difficult, shall we say. Um, that feels like was, worth mining. It's, it, well, it was just one of these shows. It was a, it was a pant down south. It was three and a half hours long. Uh, exactly. And in the tech, it ran at three hours. So we had to lose an hour before the first show the next day. It was one of the kind of jobs like where you're just like, I know, oh! uh, it just felt really, and it just felt really dated. Yeah. But at the cast party, it was Liz Moran that ran the panel at the time. At the cast party, I got absolutely steaming on the white wine. And, um, <laughs> steaming. And uh, I just said to Liz Moran, I could write you better than this. Why don't I write next year's? And she went, and she was like, do you think so? And then I started slagging off everything that was wrong with the show. Woke up the next day with a pure fear of going, <laughs> on. oh, no, you big mouth. Um And then uh, the next day she phoned me and said, "Do you are you willing to put your son by what you said? Will you write next year's? It's just... You know what I mean? Like it's just Hustling. Act, well, it's and it's accidents and just going. Do you know what? I'll get a go. The worst that happens is it's a big fat failure, mm-hmm. and actually you learn for your like, your crash bang Wallop, It's a sound of artistic failure. Like you, <laughs> you do genuinely learn for that. Like
0: I think that's a song you you should.
2: Ad. I think that's my life. <laughs> like, but the Johnny McKnight, you know, anthem. Crash, crash Bangball, <laughs> The sound of artist. artistic failure. I hear it every night. Yeah, it, you know, it's In like your own jingle. head. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Every time I'm writing, I hear yeah, it. Yeah, 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 of uh-huh. course.
0: <laughs> so then, did did you have a gap after that with McBob? Or you wrote one and then they said, just keep going?
2: No, and then I just, it was one of the things where we wrote one and uh, it went really well. So then yeah. I, I've been doing McBob since then. So that was 2007. Mm-hmm. so it was and so then that just became that's just became like a, a kind of regular gig since then
0: and what about as a writer because that's your um biggest the, the thing that you're known for the most mm-hmm. is there ever a concern do people ever say tone it down or we don't we're not looking for a
2: panto or do you ever get any of that i, I all the time really i how do you deal with it um you're listening to Kid when you've taken the notes. <laughs> Just do what you fancy doing. <laughs> point. But no, it's I, I don't. <laughs> um, not. But to be to be fair, there's all what I've normally found is there's always an air of um, and it's like any job. The first time you get into it, there's an air of suspicion that you're going to like do something bad to the brand
0: mm-hmm.
2: or or that. But I was once, worried about
0: that bringing you on. I mean, do you know
2: what I mean? Well, it's going to ruin it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's dead you're, now. You need to slow the pace to do to to this Um, but. But it's like any job. There's an need of uh, no suspicion. That's maybe the wrong word. But there's a need of somebody going right. What is it you do? What you, I don't want you to mess it up. Is it going to be all right? And but you can. I carry the anxieties as well. Like mm-hmm. I've done for for fourteen fifty. I don't know fourteen fifteen panels, and I'm still terrified. Like, I've got this shield trait for the tron, and I'm still terrified to sit down to the, the computer next week.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But then if you're not terrified, that's the day you turn the computer off and gear up. Mm. Like I think anxieties. Uh, I think you need to walk in your insecurity and just go, that's sort of where it needs to come for is that thing of no being cocky, no feeling overly confident, naturally trying stuff out and actually going, right, you know what, I feel like, I don't know if this is good or bad. And also, then getting into a room and going, that's so much better. And then when you start casting it, you go, oh, I'm going to go and rewrite that whole part. Yeah. So you can't really attach to anything, I think, too solidly at the beginning and think you're a, you know, a mad genius because... You're never going to get the best out of your company or your technicians. or You sort of need to be in the room.
0: You can't, I don't think you can walk in with the, the finished script. No, this is my office, and don't, don't MD mess never. it Never. I mean, I drive
2: people mental because I'm like, mm, scene five's no work and I'm going to write it again. Like Bob last year. We were at the we got to the end of it. It's two weeks rehearsal and then a week on stage. And on the Friday, I went, I hate act two, I'm going to rewrite it at the weekend. <laughs> oh, no. And you could feel everybody going, Oh, but actually, I, like, and to be fair, like Robbie Jack's done with Bob New with me for years. And he was like, Yes, go and get it done. Like, because folk trust you, like, they know, and so they know you, it's going to be better. And you know, and also, you know yourself when you're like, Nah, you need to trust your gut, like, because. Oh. You, that's all you've got like you just need to go oh, I, I don't this isn't working for me and if I don't listen to my gut if I listen to everybody else's opinion it's going to be a, a compromise and and you, I think it's 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 hard listening to your gut because you go I, I don't really want to say it around full actors right now eh uh, don't learn any of act two because I'm rewriting it but but at the same time you go this isn't working this needs to be yeah well, you that thing I mean? about
0: living and the anxiety. I walked in here this morning. I was doing a, a workshop here today about the podcast, and I met Louise McCarthy on the street. And she went, "You all right?" And I went, "No, no, no." She went, "What's wrong with you?" I said, oh, terrified. She said, what are you terrified? I was just workshop the podcast tonight, and I said, "I'm terrified every day. Every time I do something new, I'm." Te-. She went, oh, "Have a cup of coffee and get over yourself." And that was, that was the advice of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much all you need to know, I, I think.
2: I, 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 you know. I, I think that, I think everybody is. I think we spend our lives trying to cover up that we're being that we're anxious, and actually, as I've got older, I've started to realise that you should just be dead honest about it and go. Do you know what? I am totally insecure. I feel a bit insecure about this. It's the same as like directing. I don't feel embarrassed or shy, but when I'm directing something and going to a room, I don't really know how to do that. Same day any ideas. Like I think that's like that's human. Like, mm-hmm, and for, mm-hmm. I think for so long I thought you had to appear to be really I'm in order, everything's fine, I know what I'm doing. Whereas I think if you, as soon as you start to go oh I feel quite anxious about writing this you then I've never had writer's block and, and I think that's because I'm always I dread it but I just sit in my own dread mm-hmm. so I've never had that thing where I go I can't write today because I can always write today I just might not write well so I'll just judge that at the end of the day do you know what I mean so, so I'll write just something go, I always Aye. writer's block I don't believe in writer's block I think it's people going I'm blocked and blocked but actually what you should just do is go I feel so insecure and I'm feeling the pressure of this on me and I don't I don't really, I don't know how to get into that vulnerable. Sometimes you can't write. Sometimes you go, I'm too vulnerable today or I'm I'm just knowing that space. There's days where you, but you feel that, so don't go near a computer. Mm-hmm. But there's other times where I think it's about just going, do you know what? I don't know if this is going to be any good. It's about judging yourself. It's, I think this business is all about you need to have a big ego to survive it and you need to have a low self-esteem to be able to not be a pure asshole. <laughs> like, and so, you're yeah. constantly going, It's my, I've got, I need to believe I'm brilliant, otherwise, why would I do this as my job? There's a grain of me that goes, I've got this, I, I can do this. But there's another big part of me that goes, you are a fraud, they're going to tap, tap you in the shoe and go get out. <laughs> any minute now. D- any minute now. Oh yeah. Any minute now. Like, every minute. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, but I don't think, I think that's the thing. If, I don't think that's just limited to our work. I think that's across the board. Mm-hmm. I think we've almost been conditioned to try and not show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to try and go, yep, all great, yep, right on top of that, no bother, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you go, no, you're, no, you're clearly a crazy horse, I can see your eyes.
0: But there's also a thing of, for example, when you're in an audition or someone asks you to do something you've not done before, the knee-jerk reaction is to go, yep, sure, yeah, because if you don't, well, they say, "Well, we'll get somebody else." Totally. So you, there is an element of it. You have to hold that with you of mm-hmm. going. Yes, can you horse ride? No, but I learn. <laughs> when next week uh-huh. will be fine. Can See, you play the clarinet? Sure. On the yeah. horse? Yep. No bother.
2: It's weird. <laughs> I can do that, boy. I'll do yeah. it backwards. <laughs> See, it's weird because I, I've deliberately never went up for additions. Right. Because I don't. Uh, that's the thing. I've never put myself in spotlight. I've. I like I'll go in for a reading if somebody asks me but I am not that is not my comfort zone mm-hmm. and it's not even about vulnerability there I'm just like I've been in both sides yet I could nine times out of ten give them a list of 20 people that could date better than me <laughs> and <laughs> like literally I've went in for readings and done rehearsed readings and they don't normally audition for that so you and do a rehearsed reading and the last one I did I was like I know the perfect person for this part because <laughs> as you're doing it uh-huh, yeah. as I'm doing it because I'm like this isn't me I know somebody who can do this better Yeah, because um, I've got to an age as well where you kind of go I know what I'm good at and I know like uh, the last thing uh, you know what I mean and that, maybe that'll, that'll change it but I don't think so I'm not really mm-hmm. the, the vulnerability of being there in an audition room I think auditions are horrible and i think there's been a horrible culture of how actors are treated in editions what they're expected to learn in editions which is mind-boggling i'm like read off the script like you're only getting paid for this well it's not
0: a memory test that's another thing i don't get
2: great you've learned your like and and what it does is it stops an actor being in the room yeah because actually what you want to what you want to do is just be present isn't it
0: absolutely and on that note We are going to uh, increase the joy on stage and bring on your co writer for Bingo, ladies and gentlemen, Anita Vitesse. Just, you know what? Just as I saw you there, I thought to myself, I should really get up and hug you or something. I've had so much trouble trying to get my mic in the right place, I'm not moving. I've just got it. Yes. Get that as close to your yes. face I as you I can. Wait.
2: I feel like we're in a really weird folk band. <laughs> <laughs> is
0: that you've got the ukulele behind the couch ready? Right?
1: <laughs> I saw my love. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> so is this the is this the first time you've written together something like this?
1: Yes, it is. But we've shared work for years. Like we've read each other's stuff, and um, Johnny's my kind of helpline that I just phone him anytime, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be writing if it wasn't. Vice versa, there's
2: <laughs> been loads of stuff where Anita's read my first chapter, stuff that I've never then sent out to him, didn't we <laughs> 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 But we've, that's been quite a while though. Anita, yeah, it's that's been years. R- and Anita's been in like, loads, we've worked in loads of shows before either we were writing, I suppose, together I as well, mm-hmm. eh? So
1: it's, there's been a, I think it's because Johnny's directed me and we've built up a friendship from that, that, yeah. that he encouraged me to write as well, so aye, so yes.
0: So then how did this come about, this finally collaborating thing?
1: Um, It was Jemima and Jude at Gridiron and and, uh, Jemima at Stella Quines um, just thought it'd be good to put us together, um, which was brilliant. We hadn't, we'd kind of skirted around writing together, but we'd never got a chance to do it. And then when we did, we kind of set down ground rules immediately because we were like really sure that friendship was the most important thing. And we put that first and we thought if it ever gets in the way of the writing, then we bang the right and out the door. So mm. we made those kind of strict ground rules and we were really serious about it. It was like uh-huh. a, an Al Pacino film. We were like, no, <laughs> no, we're going to... That's gonna where the similarity uh, starts and ends, I take it. Uh, the y- Al film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do I De Niro. She was don't <laughs> know. Tea. <laughs> so we, I, and then from, because I think because we'd set that down And we have a because we've read each other's stuff we've got a really good shorthand yeah we will say that's crap and we will say it like that we go that's not funny enough and we're very quite brutal i think Mm. if md heard us they would go hi all right Mm. but actually it's a really good shorthand and we know it's not personal we just know it's for the greater good of the project which is quite painful uh, unless you trust that person um so so yeah that's been it's been lovely and really easy Uh so you co-wrote the book
0: for the musical and the lyrics and And the lyrics and did you work in the room with alan who wrote the music
2: no well i
0: no no no
1: well it was it started off we were meant to have annie lennox tunes that was the whole Uh remit and it was fantastic we we wrote the whole we wrote about five drafts Mm or we annie lennox tunes Mm and then we couldn't get the copyright to Annie length so we okay. absolutely shat ourselves and we just thought and i've this never this was in october, was an october and mm-hmm. we would never i'd never written a song johnny obviously had but so it was a whole new learning curve for me but again johnny was like just say what you feel like as though it's a script it doesn't have to rhyme it doesn't have to blah blah That's and, true. and actually it was a really lovely process it was really it was great and actually that was more beneficial than using the Annie Lennox. Mm-hmm. It was right for the... It was right high. for the... Yeah, we, yeah. Could, we could extend character stories with song and we didn't have to fit it into a box that was Annie Lennox. So, so Annie Lennox was brilliant for the first couple of drafts because we knew the sentiment and we knew the emotion, but we, we actually... It was beneficial that we wrote our own stuff after It's almost that. like
0: that could work as a, as a method. Yes, you know, right. Well, I'm mm. going to write this I, one to yeah. you know, Fat Boy Slim, yeah. and then and then ditch that and get
2: you know.
1: Well, we did that for the one of the first drafts, didn't we? Uh-huh. We went, oh, there's a nice sweet Madonna
2: track there, or there's uh-huh. a Fleetwood yeah, right. Mac song there, or whatever. So uh, what was interesting? Well, then we got to a point where we started going. Actually, we're no interested. We're interested in telling. We, we started to try and tell like six stories, and we realised, oh no, we just need to tell the play. Remember, then we yeah. just started going. Let's not write the songs in at all. Let's just write a play that we okay. really want to go and see. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's, been, aye, it's aye. been great. Lots of different aye. ways so round So actually, it. in a weird kind of way, the Anna Lennox stuff, us not getting the copyright was brilliant, actually. It was a mm-hmm. happy mistake. And so. then you
0: sent a lot of completed lyrics to Alan. Is that how you... Oh, yes. And,
2: uh, God bless Alan Penman. <laughs> he got the lyrics, um, I think, mid-November, late November, to get into rehearsals in January. Oh, wow. And he was yeah. doing
1: two panels. And he was
2: doing two panels as well, because <laughs> yeah, he was already yeah. contracted. Bless so him. that man is a machine. Wow. I yeah. I mean he probably looks about sixty five now. Um, He's twenty one. Oh, but but it was it was it was a race Scary. to get oh. through. high that's a big job. Aye, really yeah. big, particularly for him.
0: And did he? What happened? Did he make tracks for everything, or is it? A oh, no, it's tracked.
2: It's tracked. And he did all that. Yeah, or mm-hmm. tracked, composed, wow. tracked over mm-hmm. the
1: space of about six weeks so yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah it was great does um, this
0: differ quite a lot from the this, this type of thing you've written before
1: um yes be fair uh, to say, yeah, it? yeah but johnny and i we both come from small kind of satellite towns to cities and i think mm-hmm. that does something to your humor i don't know why i think i'm not saying there's a difference but i think there sort of is there's a weird kind of dark humor i yeah. think comes out that we both share and and so actually it was quite Easy. A lot of this stuff was quite easy. It didn't feel like I was trying to fit into Johnny's way of writing and he was trying to fit into mine, but but it was terrifying. I mean, my God, I was so scared. But again, we just went and went right in for a penny, in for a pound. We've said yes to this Totally, night, <laughs> totally. And it's I always remember Christopher Biggins saying when oh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and <laughs> I've never forgotten it. It's that when you say you're going to go to a party. You commit to it and you don't back out. And I've always remembered that if you say yes to something, you need to stick to that commitment and don't back out. And I've mm-hmm. kinda have to thank Mr. Biggins <laughs> for that kinda <laughs> commitment.
0: We've got yes. so much to thank Mr. Yes, Biggins for. Absolutely his, Too his many joy, to count. I
1: totally, <laughs> totally.
0: You um what was your initial starting point? I mean, did you did you think a musical about bingo or was it more? well we
1: were given that by and uh stella quine so and uh, jemima had gone to bingo in dundee and uh loved it and so she just saw the women and saw the stories and saw that it was a great community and a great meeting place and she just thought it would be a great kind of precinct for a a good musical and a good night out and it was also about bringing people who don't normally go to the theatre into the theatre not to be intimidated by it and I kind of got that that's exactly how I was brought up I only went to see Panto I never Mm -hmm. had a play in the house I never it was not something my family did so so I I felt really passionate about that and um, and funny enough I was in Musselburgh last week seeing it and it was just really lovely hearing the chat at the interval and what they're talking about slippers and what they're getting folk for their Christmas already, and right. it's just all that chat was just really lovely to hear. And they had they were they were together like they had at the bingo coming to see the theatre. So,
0: so is it because of the title of the piece that, that you think that people have come who don't normally go to theatre, or has there been a particular drive to get people in?
1: Um, th- both, both I think right. I and I think um Stella Quines and Gridiron were really keen on getting another group of. People into the theatre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a bit of both, and we hoped that Bingo would draw the Bingo crowd in as well and keep them, we want to keep them coming. Yeah. So, mm. I, I think the
0: last thing I saw of yours, and I can't remember the title of it, but it was a, a sort of a dating, a play at The Oranmore Moore about, I think it, the girl slept with her brother husband's in-law. brother or Ring something. Ring
1: yeah. Yes. Called Did Ring she Road. Was trying to have a baby? Yes. What was it called? Yes. Ring Road. Ring yeah, Road, that was yeah. the first play i've ever written so was yeah, it yes it was yeah and it Wait, was um
0: had you written it years before over that
1: no i wrote it doing panto john mckay and, really? <laughs> and it was between shows the shows here are sometimes 10 and seven right so there's this big gap and you either go to tj hughes or you just kind of <laughs> hang about here you're better <laughs> uh, off writing a play you? <laughs> totally. yeah. are you so sleeping the dressing room the dressing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um and i was really i was getting to an age where i was um really frustrated i love being an actor it's everything i get up in the morning for but i was frustrated that i wasn't in control of anything i was always waiting on the phone and i was always i was always um annoyed i couldn't like go to class or keep my brain going like Mm. you wouldn't ask a doctor to do an operation and they hadn't performed an operation in a year you know so it's i wanted to keep busy in Mm -hmm. in the field that i love so I wrote a ten minute scratch night thing the Tron were having, um, and it was just a scene from Ring Road and it went down well and then I wrote a full play and that seemed to go well. So yeah. So what
0: happened? Did you write the thing and then hand it to the Oran or the other way around? Well the
1: Oran Moor were really interested from the scratch night. They wanted right. to hear more, so oh, then okay. I sent it and then it went on and that's been they've they've been so supportive of the Moor ever since. Brilliant, and yeah. they're always kinda keeping in touch and I keep in touch with them and it's just lovely and especially taking a risk with a new writer somebody who's never written anything before so well, they're doing it all the time absolutely oh no, so it's a it's a brilliant place i and now you've written for. a musical yes we've written a musical so, so what's next for alita um well i'm writing a show for um katherine and nts at the moment that's in great. rehearsals um but i kind of i'm desperate to get back on the stage as well um yeah and I even in rehearsals the other day for slumber sisters it's called. I was running about the rehearsal room and I was told to sit back down because I was like, <laughs> not, no. Oh, no, I know And I was doing all the warm-ups and all that and I was oh please just let me Aww. jump about. But uh, so it's one informs the other. Like yeah. I, I think they're really, they're, like I'm desperate to get in a rehearsal room and play because I've been stuck in a room writing for months. Um, so, and then I know when I'm in rehearsals, i probably get to the end of that and go, well, I'm dying to get back in and go underground and write something. Yeah. So it's a nice balance to have, hopefully. So, yeah.
0: I do that, I get away from doing a show with loads of songs by going away and playing Irish music because I like, crave it. Yes, And then I've done absolutely. a bit of that and I go, oh, I just want to be in a play
1: now. Aye, totally. Mm. So who's in Slumber Sisters? Um There's l- three girls from down south that have just come up and a lovely girl, Chiara, who's just graduated from the academy. So, um, And it's a play that's, it's a, another musical, slightly a sort of musical right. musical. Um, um, it's dealing with child grief it's got laughs in it though as well So yes. it, it's a
0: wartime thing isn't it?
1: yeah it's sort of set in a war kind of press burger and pill kind of type world so kind of right. surreal weird but it's for 10 year olds uh, oh, it so it's really? great it's exciting stuff But and is it wartime kind of songs? there's lots of three part harmony stuff oh, and really? sort of Andrew's sister stuff going on but yeah so yeah it'll be exciting Good to get out into tour. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. You're not directing? No, God, no. Do you ever oh, direct? No, why would no, you want no. to do that? <laughs> oh, that's terrific. <laughs> no.
1: But funnily enough, Johnny and I have been talking about it and I think it's something... As a writer, you have to, on the first day, hand over your stuff. And you've been playing at wee shops your whole time writing this mm-hmm. and putting characters there and doing all the voices. And it's lovely watching Johnny write. I don't know if I've ever told you that. <laughs> <don't get> <laughs> when he writes, say. he does all the wee voices and he'll do all that. And you kind of do, you sit at your desk right. and you kind you of start twitching and doing it out, doing and, it out, and, and, it out. And, and then suddenly you hand it over and you feel very vulnerable because yeah. and, and you, you're clawing at the seat not to... Give people line readings, and you, know, you have to let people find their stuff. And actually, they yeah. bring brilliant new stuff to it that you never thought. But that's a big thing I've had to learn. So. But maybe, maybe I direct. Uh, a couple of years ago, if you'd asked me, I'd rather have stabbed my eyes out. But no. But yeah. I just find it a really. Why would you want to manage a group of actors? Why? Would you want <laughs> well, because you know do? what it's like to be an actor. I and a group know of actors. No, yeah, totally. Yeah. And everybody else, not just the absolutely. I mean, you're everything. managing everything. You're keeping an eye over it all, and you're managing people who work differently. That like maybe that person just likes to lef- left to get on with. It. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. another person needs a lot of coaching. I just think it's an amazing job. So, um, Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So,
0: aye. what when you guys were coming up with this piece, what were some of the things that didn't make it in or some of the things the the stumbling blocks tell us about that?
2: Um to be fair, actually we just kept adding on top of things. Yeah. I don't think anything got I can't think of anything that got. To, oh, it was an all female company at first. Right. And that got changed in about draft four. Jemima was like, "I really want a boy mm-hmm. in the mix."
1: And we did a development at so that, the conservatoire, which right. kind of helped that. So,
2: we, so, but we'd always imagined it as being a show for all women. Yeah. So, but actually, having a boy totally opened it up because, mm-hmm. well, obviously, it was going to be a gay boy win it because you're sitting with a woman and a gay man at a computer <laughs> desk, so <laughs> you're going to draw on what you're. You know, you're going to draw what you what you've what you're and what you've got. So that that yeah. changed.
1: Mm-hmm. But nothing was it? Else.
2: it was more just trying to make it better and trying to make, like, just trying to up the stakes and yeah. make it a bit wilder and a bit more surreal and funnier and and like a bit more pathos. We just kept, what was really nice is we wrote in a really weird way. We brainstormed the characters or the story mm-hmm. beats and then we would break it up into scenes and Anita would go into one room, I'd get into the other and then we weren't allowed to read it back we'd swap usb sticks and the <laughs> other person would then go and re-edit or rewrite what other person had wrote we weren't allowed to talk about it we just got, had to do it, it and, really then we, and then we brought it back and we read it and if there was anything heart or soul or that we felt was missing and it was really quick like there was a we started to get really quick at it and really yeah. quite good because we then realized we well, were fighting for the right thing mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like so if something was gone we were fight. it was about character rather than about who can write the best line on a page mm-hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? from the same hymn sheet in the yeah. first place so
1: because it it's very you feel i mean sometimes as well when you when you hear the person you trust going now that's no work and you're yeah. like oh my god yeah, <laughs> but yeah. actually now you look back and you go no that was absolutely right so hopefully write again, we'll know that you know and, it's just. And you start
2: to find who has got the certain voice or certain characters. Uh-huh. So there'll be ones that i be like, I need I, I don't know what to write for mm-hmm. that for that character. You need to go and brush go and that and up. That, yeah. right. Just because.
1: And we'd act them out, Lutes. we'd act the scenes out and That's Johnny right. always played the same characters and I <laughs> always played the same characters. I was not allowed to play Mary or whoever. No way. No, no way, I was like, no way. No so way. I, and that was, that was useful as well because I knew
2: how certain characters talked and yeah, yeah. Johnny knew how others, so... It's the thing I think about being being a performer, uh, an actor, performer, whatever you are, I think uh, every performer, you forget that you work with words every day and that your job is actually sculpting with words, even if it's somebody else's words. So I'm always about. I always feel like every actor is a writer because they're constantly dramaturging what they're working on, mm-hmm. whether it's to make sense it or to unpick it or to twist it. And I think that most actors will go because that's the journey we went on really mm-hmm. into is performing. And then if you're performing it at your desk, you're going to give actors something that they'll be able to like say that they'll be able to speak. You might make mistakes or drive, but you learn that the more you start to do it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I'm, it's like a weird
1: you know, kind of dance thing uh, i know that sounds daft yeah, but yeah. you know when something's not right rhythmically and you kind of feel that's not working um and yeah but we wished we'd had more time d- in development because without that, that was a great week we had up with the students as well and we just hearing it out loud is terrifying but you can oh, learn so oh much from goodness. it we went away we were just gagging to go away and write a new draft after that so it's totally so it spurs invaluable you on. absolutely ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and now well, you've,
0: you've got this Dreamcast. Yes. Dreamcast.
2: Uh-huh. Brilliant. Lovely. Who, tell us a
0: bit about who you've
2: got. Uh, we've got. We've got Louise McCarthy, Wendy Seagar, Barbara Rafferty, Jane McGarry, Joe Freer, and Dan Brownlee. Fantastic. So, they're
1: brilliant.
2: And really weirdly, is some of the people, when we were writing them, we would put actors to some of the characters that would go, that's and like for example we went that about that's a Louise McCarthy type of person mm-hmm. so we were always writing pretty much with a lot of their voice yeah. weren't we like um, yeah. and we'd and Barbara so we were writing for specific actors and then just thankfully by luck they were, the they were available. available
0: yeah because you so. could have written that and then well, well she can't do it uh-huh. Absolutely.
2: But, I, but I think it's quite nice writing with an actor in mind yeah. even if they can't do it like if I get stuck I sometimes go this is for Judy Dench and then you're like <laughs> <laughs> She's not available, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go and do it the arches for a profit share. <laughs> right. So
0: this year's panto will be written with Judy in mind. Obviously. Always written with Judy in mind. Yeah. She keeps knocking me back, I enjoy it all Always furious. Aww. So you're going to start next week. How long are you going to have
2: to write this new one? I, I'm going draft Disney June until June. Oh, that's pretty Indigenous. End of good. June. That's all right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you do it in a really short space of time. I bet, do, you okay,
2: do that? I, I never let, what's a first draft? What I kid on is a first draft isn't a first draft. Like, I always think you should say it's a first draft, but you should have done about two or three drafts before letting them read it.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? But oh, you could it? also add a few numbers to the thing. Oh, to score. This is the seventh draft. <laughs> uh-huh,
2: totally. You need to get your own opinion really clear on the page before MDL starts to tell you what they think. I, they think the most
0: liberating thing for me was realising that the first draft was allowed to be crap. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise that until quite recently, and I went, Oh, so it can just be rubbish, fine, I, f- I can do that. Yeah. And then at the end, you go, Oh, I do actually have something. Exactly. Now I can go fix it. I, I,
1: but I, I've tried to You'll do more. So I kind of puke it out in the page first Aye. and then leave it for <laughs> ages and then come but back. But then you've to got it. something. Yeah. But the, the best thing to do then is only show it to folk you trust because mm-hmm. you can show that draft to someone who really doesn't get it and it can absolutely wound you. In fact, right. I was talking to someone today who said to me, They were an amazing drawer and a painter. And someone said that he he showed them their painting. And he said, the person said, oh, well, you tried. And he never picked up a paintbrush ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, years later, that same person said to him, you were an amazing painter. Why did you stop? And in his head, he was going, because you said I gave it a go, wow. and actually uh, saying that to you, saying that might be really innocent, but to that person at that time, at that vulnerable time, can knock you off yeah. kilter for mm-hmm. the rest of your life almost. So, so you need to have that one person you trust to to be able to write the second draft and write it with confidence and and not feel that you're an idiot because you constantly feel that you're an idiot and that it's the worst <laughs> no, no. piece of nonsense you've ever written. Oh, and totally. Yeah, I mean, even yesterday I was sitting and then I was talking out loud going this is shit this is the worst thing and yeah. and but you get up the next day and you go right I'm just gonna add a wee sentence to that and see if that changes it and you just keep mm-hmm. at it it's like keep at it keep at it
0: or it's you wake up in the morning and you go ah oh, but if she actually doesn't come in till five minutes later yes. then it might not be shite absolutely mm-hmm.
1: yeah go for a shower do
2: uh-huh. anything yeah, yeah, I yeah. take totally. the bins out yeah take do something out. else yeah or sometimes you do that thing but just a bit rarer when you wake up and you read it back and you go hmm that's no bad actually. <laughs> like, what does that feel Those like? Those days are lovely. Yeah. We are like, I oh, must have been so off my face on coffee. I don't remember right. <laughs> but it's oh, no bad, I think. <laughs> right, no,
1: that to <totally. laughs> Ladies
0: and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. I'm going to stop it there. This is Johnny McKnight and Anita Vitesse. Yeah! There you go. You can hear we had a we had a good old time there. All that really remains for me to say is thank you very much to everyone who came along. Thanks for supporting the event. Thanks to Johnny and Anita for guesting on the event. Thanks for Tom. Thanks to Tom for their voiceover and uh, thanks to Dave Shea and to Joe Connell. Uh, I momentarily forgot his name. To for helping me with the tech and to everyone at the Tron, including Michael John O'Neill, who helped put it together Um, because putting it together is what it's all about and big thanks to my sponsors purplepandamedia.com so until next time cheerio now